Good evening and welcome to Church Unlocked. Uh, I'm Ben John uh, from Christian Concern and it's a delight to be back with you uh, again uh, for this series that we've been doing, Church Unlocked, where we've been thinking about and wrestling with the key questions for the church as we come out of lockdown. How can we faithfully wrestle with those big questions uh, that we really need to be thinking about um, regarding uh, the church in a post-pandemic society. If you haven't yet, I would encourage you to check out some of our earlier discussions that we've been having. You can find those on our on our website and on our YouTube uh, channel. Uh, but this evening, we'll be looking at the question of church and authorities and how we can be relating to them in a meaningful, fruitful and productive and God-honouring way. I'm delighted to be joined this evening with Peter Naylor uh, from Emmanuel Church Cardiff, Daniel Mattiola, Kingdom Faith Ministries International, and Reagan King from the Angel Church. Thank you all so much um, for joining us uh, this evening for what's going to be a, a really great and helpful discussion as we wrestle with some of these key issues today. Um, perhaps uh, just each of you could just quickly introduce yourselves, uh, where you're from, uh, what you're doing, and, and maybe just the, the biggest encouragement that you've had over this last season. Um, Peter, would you kick us off, please? Yeah, thank you, Benjamin. Um, my name is Peter Naylor. I'm the pastor of um, Emmanuel Presbyterian Church in Cardiff. Uh, it's part of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church in England and Wales. Um, it's been a, a difficult um, 18 months, uh, but there have been encouragements. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, there have been gospel opportunities, um, and uh, I think it's been encouraging to see particularly the way older Christians who might have been in the vulnerable group um, have been uh, have desired to to assemble no matter what the the risks and and to sing the praise of God so um, mm-hmm. those things have been encouraging to, to me and to, to many but no, thank you. Thank no you. thank you it's great to have you on um, thank you Daniel Mattiela Please introduce Hi, I'm, I'm Daniel. I get to serve as a pastor of Kingdom Faith Ministers International. We're based in Milton Keynes area. And I must say the last 18 months have been exceptionally interesting. Um, learning a lot. It, it just um, really helped to have a better understanding of where the church is at and how we are engaging um, as, you know, kingdom with the nation and just some of the unexpected issues coming up and we're learning a lot. We've learned a lot from our own um, church family. And um, as a matter of fact, I ended up putting a lot of the things we've learned into a book, which I'm not gonna talk about tonight because I know that's not the focus, but, uh, and the learning is still continuing. No, certainly it's been a, a huge time for, yeah, growth in, in different ways. It's been a, it's been a, a sanctifying time. In, in many ways, but difficult uh, challenges. And Reagan, please. I'm Reagan King. I pastor the Angel Church, and it really has been an incredible past 18 months. We've seen people who have not been reached with the gospel reached. We've seen lives totally transformed, people come to saving faith and baptized. And it's, it's been amazing. We've begun new ministries out of the church going into the local area we really give god praise for what i believe has been um, a reviving work in our congregation uh, that's had great impact in people's lives great no well it's um great to have you and it's encouraging to hear those 
um, stories and absolutely we, 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 we trust God in all that we've been doing. So thank you for all your faithful ministries this last year. But uh, so what we're wrestling with today, what we're, what we're going to be thinking about is, is this question about church and state and which really has been coming to a head this, this last year. Um, it's really been getting us thinking about um, questions which I think the church hasn't necessarily been thinking about for a long time. Um, it was almost unprecedented the um, the what happened when lockdown happened and the churches were forced to close by law uh, from by the government by the state um, and this really caused a bit of a division in within the church regarding Christians and regarding how we need to respond um, to this question. W what does it mean to honour God and the government in a time when they're telling us to? Um, to um, to shut, to cease from worshiping, for, to cease um, uh, to meeting. Um, do we do we need to submit to the government in these situations? Do we need to? Is it is that wrong or is that good? Uh, these are big questions that we really need to be thinking about. And I, and I guess, in a sense, it comes down to a question of authority. And uh, uh, Peter, um, maybe I'll just come to you. What what would you say the Bible has to say, or the Christian faith has to say about that question of authority? When it comes to the church and the state and, and Christ, what, what would you say on, on that? Yeah, um, one of the, uh, I think one of the first things that were uh, was said to me uh, when the government ordered the churches to close was um, uh, read, read Romans 13 and just do what we're told. Um, but it, it's not as simple as that. It's never, it's never uh, safe. Um, to build a position on one text. Um, certainly, uh, Romans 13 calls us to submit to the authorities, but there are other truths and other texts which bear on that. And uh, one of the basic biblical principles is that the authority, all human authority, is subject to limits. Uh, and uh, uh, I think in this particular case, the concern was that the government was uh, overreaching its authority. Uh, we say, don't we? We say, uh, acting ultra vires, ultra, uh, acting beyond the authority, and and for us that was a matter that was both biblical, and also written into the the constitution and the law, of um, of our country. Uh, so that we we felt that uh, the, the government's um, the extreme to which the government went uh, was beyond its its rightful authority. That's that's where we are. Um, we yeah. Are. No, thank you. I think that's a helpful, a helpful way to put it. And I, and I guess, in a sense, what we're talking, what, I guess, what we would be saying there isn't necessarily about. Um, uh, we're saying all churches had must stay open and have to open. Rather, that it's a decision. If I'm clarifying, if I'm understanding right, it's a decision for the eldership of a church to make that decision, not necessarily for the state government. That's right. I think um, we're, we're firm on the, the truth that um, Jesus Christ is the head of the church and, and he has placed um, men in authority uh, in, uh, in the church for its needs and in the state for its needs. And uh, both should be respected. And uh, the, the duty of a minister and elders is to follow the uh, orders of the king. And uh, there's no one else. Um, in this in this world that can usurp the authority of Christ and uh, yeah and, and that's where we stood you know he, he is the king uh, it's his orders that prevail 
Yeah. No, certainly. And I, I guess we need wisdom to understand necessarily how that kind of works out. And I guess as was was saying that this was probably one of the first times that we've really had to be wrestling with a question like this. And um, maybe in the future coming soon, we'll have to be wrestling with it more. Um, I, I guess for the average layperson, they wouldn't necessarily think about these kinds of questions. Um, Daniel, I, what would you say your congregation would have felt about these kinds of questions? Would, would, would they have maybe instinctively thought this way about church and state or not? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is really our understanding of church. Now, it so happened that what the Lord had really had us focusing on in recent years is understanding the church from a kingdom perspective rather than uh, a religion or some religious place where people go do religious things. And so with the kingdom understanding, we, we know that our role does not end in the four walls of a building, but our role is to impact the society for the Lord which means in the time when there's crisis, that's when we're supposed to shine the most. The Bible says we're supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And so for us as a church family, the way the Lord had been raising us and what he had been teaching us really helped us when this hit. And we didn't expect that church would be asked to shut down because we saw ourselves as part of the solution, literally, we believe that we're supposed to be in essential services, which is one of the reasons why as a church family, we made a decision to keep operating as much as we can, or as much as we could, um, just making sure that we didn't go against um, the law, but we did everything that we could. As, as a matter of fact, I can say to you that uh, broadcast, even when we could not gather and we had to do the broadcast from the building, was always done from the church building. I was always there. There was no Sunday that I was not there. And the worship carried on um, as far as what we did for the broadcast because we believed we had a responsibility to keep releasing that presence of God and that atmosphere in our region, particularly in the time of crisis. No, yeah, thank you. That's, yeah, really helpful um, to be thinking about that. And absolutely that kind of, it's important to be thinking about, yeah, the church and what the church is. And for anyone who's uh, watching or listening, we, we did do an earlier Church Unlocked wrestling with that question about hybrid church and moving forward out of lockdown. What should we be doing with that? So um, in, in, in thinking about that theme, certainly I would, I would encourage people to, to, to think about um, to think about that. Uh, what about you, Reagan, in, in your church? What was kind of the culture like in the church in relating and thinking about these kinds of issues back a year ago in that initial lockdown. We have a very high view of God's authority over his people. Uh, we believe that the church and the ecclesia is the gathering of God's people, the actual physical bodily gathering um, to proclaim the glory of Christ in song and uh, the proclamation of his word and um, our prayers, all of that. Uh, we do together, uh, we have communion, we baptize, all of these things are um, we're called to do in a physical way. So when the initial lockdown was announced, it was with um, a, a great deal of strain and a great deal of, of consideration and grief and just gauging the things where we, we said, okay, we're told three weeks, 
Um, we will do, um, like Daniel was saying, um, as much as we possibly can. We'll look at inroads into the community. We'll um, look at streaming um, services and, and things like that. But we have to recognize that not gathering together is not, um, it's not actually uh, really being the, the church. That's not actually our, our responsibility. Uh, if, if we are not gathering together, there's something missing. So we didn't try to um, to normalize it in people's minds that, yeah, we're just going to do stuff on, online. We started a um, food bank, local uh, hot meal provision, volunteering opportunities with local community groups uh, that were based in the church, engaged in evangelism, in an ongoing way through that with the food parcels, we put some gospel literature. And, and so that was very much a part of the church culture at that time. As things developed um, from June, we began to have in-person prayer meetings, um, pleading that God would bring revival and awakening that he would help us be bold. In July, we um, began gathering again as the church and we have not stopped since yeah great that's um yeah helpful to be to think about it like that um so thank you for that so i think we what we've kind of been clearly establishing now is it, it, in this in these early parts of this discussion is that there are there's delegated authorities and i think one thing that people missed from romans 13 is that the authority actually comes from god for the, god. To the state and it's not a um they have authority therefore we just have to submit every single thing they do but that they, their authority is under god um but certainly we want to be honoring we want to be you know we're called to pray for our leaders our rulers and our state government so um but yeah there's that delegated authority and what happened with the lockdown was an overreach of that authority um uh, whether or not one thinks that churches should be meeting or not be meeting it's almost to the separate to the point and what that is that that's for the church to um decide and so we, you know you as church leaders have had engagements then over the last um year with the local authorities um some more positive and some a little bit more negative um reagan I mean, you were talking a bit about some of the, the the social work action and food banks that you were talking about there but um back in november when there was the um lockdown two um, for four weeks, I think four, four Sundays, um, you chose to keep meeting uh, over that over that period and you were visited by the police. Um, maybe you could just share a little bit about what happened there and how you managed, how you, what's the fruit out of that and the engagement that you had with the local authorities there? So we, we had resolved uh, after much study and preparation, even upon returning from the initial lockdown that that was a one-time occurrence we were not going to be doing that again um, authority comes from god and uh, we ourselves for the good of our neighbors who we had met in that time who were isolated who were lonely for the good of our congregation people who were coming to faith who were um, feeling completely uh, mentally physically emotionally in every way shattered uh, we would not be closing um the meetings that we normally had i mean we we have been three times a week on some occasions sheltering uh, around 30 to 50 homeless and ultra vulnerable people inside 
who would be receiving hot meals are volunteers putting themselves at regular risk, um, more risk certainly than a gathering of God's people to uh, sing and pray and hear God's word. Um, there was so much that we were doing for the local community with the blessing of the local authorities that um, there seemed to be some inconsistency. We can do that because it helps the local authorities, it eases the burden on them, but we can't gather as a church. So in November, when we gather, uh, we, we determined it was not really something that was even debated. Everyone was on the same page. We're going to continue meeting. First Sunday goes by, no problem. Um, and then on the second Sunday, um, due to a series of events where I'd been asked some questions in the week and had, um, I, I, I will say, was mis, uh, mischaracterized in a premier Christian article as encouraging disobedience to um, the authority. Um, it, we were visited by a significant number of police officers and members of the press. And it, it really was not something that was desirable. It wasn't something we looked for or wanted. I requested repeatedly for the members of the press to uh, please just let us continue in peace. I wasn't going to initially make any comment. That was to no avail. So we determined actually we'll engage respectfully. We'll engage both the police and the press with respect and seek to communicate why we're there and seek to resolve issues in a way um, that we should as Christians with respect and with honor. And, and there's a lot of background, but the long and short of it is um, the police um, looked in the church building. They saw the people who were gathered. They saw the support of the individuals. They saw that many were in a vulnerable category and they um, th their heart wasn't in it. They, they were not keen on shutting us down or on giving fines. They were um, for the most part, respectful, uh, with with one exception, and they uh, th they engaged in a way that was met with respect from um, the congregation. So we uh, we continued meeting, having uh, affirmed confirmed that we would be allowed to continue with the support group model, and uh, we varied up a little bit of how we did um, some of the services, but we. Uh, we, we sang, we prayed, we proclaimed um, from the scriptures. We had fellowship, we even had food, and we observed uh, baptism. So, um, you know, we were able to continue and we were um, harassed the rest of the month. No, well, I, I guess that's good. I mean, it's important then, therefore, you, you, the way you were talking about, you know, just being honest and being gracious um, to the police officers. And when they saw it, what mm -hmm. you were they they their hearts changed ben, who's who's there to punish you for doing what's good right mm -hmm. the scriptures ask that in the context of how we react to authorities um you know first peter has a passage similar to romans 13 um and it helps break things down who's there to punish you for doing what's good if we were just a preaching station that hadn't been doing anything and hadn't been showing any care the whole time through the neighbors, if we were only open on Sundays, okay, that, you know, perhaps there's an argument to be made um, as to, to why they might think, well, is this really necessary? But they had seen our faith in action in an ongoing basis. They knew of the faith that um, we were exhibiting throughout the week and they saw 
their actions and trying to close things were inconsistent with the allowances through the week. Yeah. No, that's um, no really encouraging. Um, just you know, an encouraging one for us because I think I think many churches, in a sense, were. I don't want to be accusing churches of fear, but I think sometimes it's like we we often you know we silence ourselves or we we don't do what we think is right because we because of how we think people will react. Um, when in fact maybe people are actually warmer than than we realise when they see what we're doing, we see um, all that we're going on uh, and that, that was going on. Um, uh, Peter, I don't know if have you had particular engagements with the? I mean, so you were involved in the judicial review, challenging the government. So I guess, uh, and in a sense, that's that's more of a macro form of engagement with the with the with the authorities. Uh, have you had much engagement with authorities over this last year? Yes, it's interesting. Our uh, our experience is very as parallel to uh, Regan's. Um, we uh, initially thought that uh, the lockdown would be for three weeks, and we we thought, well, we can bear with that. But um, uh, after July, we said never again. So when they when they, in Wales they ordered a shorter, what they called a firebreak lockdown, and um, we we refused to close the church. We continued worshiping, and uh, the. The police came to visit us on the second of the three Sundays, and uh, they were they were very uh, polite. Um, I couldn't fault them really. Um, they they said that, uh, do you know that this is against the law? And I said to them quite honestly, I said yes, I I realise that, but I said I must, we must do what we're doing, and uh, they they were. I think they were very sorry to have to um, to say anything about it. That uh, they said, "Well, we must. We'll have to issue you with a verbal warning." Uh, so they did that, and they said, "If you if you meet next week, uh, you will be. You, we'll have to issue a fine." And I said to them, "Well, we will be meeting next week." Uh, but I, in, in Wales, that that third Sunday coincided with um, Remembrance Sunday. And there was a slight relaxation because of that. And uh, I pointed that out to the police and they said, well, if that's the case, we will leave you alone. And and that's how it worked out. Um, we, we got through it without um, without real trouble. I mean, the, the police in many ways, uh, the police were, were really very good. Um, I, and I was very I was very glad of that. But uh, yes. So, no, yeah, well, yes. I mean, that's the thing, I guess, with a lot of these things, in a sense, there's a kind of reluctance in a lot of what the police had been ordered um, to do and somewhat. And um, uh, just going to read some of the comments that's been coming out. AO talking about the church and state should be in harmony um, and interconnected, um, perhaps what we mean by interconnected, you know, I mean, in a sense, they're distinct, but there should be a, uh, a mutual um, sort of understanding between them. Uh, he goes on to say, or she, uh, sacraments should be delivered no matter what authorities say. In fact, um, Jack Long has uh, comes in with a, a slightly different perspective. We are to accept everything from our rulers, even up to the point of whipping and beatings. We are to take it gladly. But as soon as they say stop worshipping, that's the line. Um, so interesting, uh, interesting perspective um, there. Um, Daniel, you as well were visited um, yes. by the police um, and... 
in a sense, there was a bit more hostility there. Could you share with us a bit about what happened? You know, first, I want to piggyback on something that Reagan said earlier about um, the church being an ecclesia, because the first thing that really hit me last year was that issue of the understanding of what the church is. Ecclesia, the gathering of the called up ones and called up ones gather for what? We gather for corporate worship. We know it changes atmosphere, releases joys in people's heart. I don't want to go too deep into that, but there's some other spiritual consequences of corporate worship for that whole environment and community. Corporate prayer, strengthening people's faith. We were going through a time when most people were really devastated. In my personal opinion, I think the spirit of fear Fear did a lot more damage than the actual virus uh, at a point in time. And I felt like what the people needed the most, and I'm not just talking about church congregants, but all over the nation was a word of hope and a word of faith. And I felt it was a time when the believers in Christ were supposed to really stand up. Now, another thing that is very important about the ecclesia is that if you look at the original ecclesia, it was not a religious gathering. It was more of a governmental gathering, but it was a governmental gathering of the called out ones who believed they were citizens of the kingdom of God that come down to look into the affairs of the regions where they're planted. So it would be a shame if an ecclesia closes shop and totally retires or just resort to just having um, meetings online uh, perpetually, because then how are you getting engaged if, if the hospitals are getting engaged on the physical level? I really believe our responsibility was to get engaged to help the souls and the spirit of man and help them through such a difficult time, including members of our congregation. Now, I don't want to go too deep into that, but I was also very, very uh, diligent in studying what was going on, the root of what was going on, and all the different forces that were behind it. And at a point, I realized that, yes, there was a real virus, there was a real crisis, but then there were also other influence that was in there, also using it as an opportunity to shut down the, what I would say, the forces of good or light or or the body of Christ, because I know that it may be hard to really express that in, in regular language. But at the time, I saw that very clearly that, no, this is the time for us to rise up, preach faith, strengthen our people, and get involved with being part of the solution and not draw back and not get involved. Um, so that's what we were doing. Uh, I made sure that I was trying my best to make sure the congregation stayed in faith. We kept preaching the word of God and at that time about him being the healer, him being the way maker, um, the giver of our peace and our joy and so on and so forth. And we knew what the law said and we tried to stay within the confines of the law. So when it said we could do broadcasts, we did broadcasts when we had the TV ministry crew the audio sound guys, and then we had the musicians to do the worship. Again, because we felt it was important to continue to do something because we're praying for our region, we're praying for our area, and we're asking God to do some things in the spiritual realm as well that we know the NHS can't do, and we know that some other uh, social actions cannot do for us. Um, so we felt it was necessary to do that. But then beyond that, um, when we had the opportunity in June just like Pastor Reagan had just mentioned earlier, we, we went back to meeting as well. As a matter of fact, by the month of July, we went into three services because of wanting to make sure we didn't have a lot of people. And we kept meeting. We also had the conviction that 
it wasn't the place of the church to shy back. And I knew for sure, personally, my conviction was as a pastor, this was not a time for me to hide behind a computer screen somewhere. I needed to be out there. I needed to, to demonstrate this faith that I've been preaching, that God can help us through all of this. And that was what we're doing all the way till that second lockdown when we had to pull back again to online broadcast. Uh, but I think when we had our incident, one of the things that revealed to me is how much in our society we need to re-educate people on what the church is, who the church is, and what we do, and, and the relevance, the significance of the church. Because the incident we had, I felt like we were being treated like a nightclub. Literally, it was like a nightclub open, playing live music. And, and the police officers seemed not to even be able to discern worship. And, and a worship band singing worship unto the Lord while the cameras were videoing it, getting ready for us to bring our speaker on. It just seemed like it was a nightclub to them. One of them even said, this is live music. This is just live music. It's just like a nightclub. So, the, so that really... Clarify. Can I just clarify? The police yes. interrupted a live stream. Oh, yes, they did. And they actually insisted that we shut down. I mean, the live stream was on. I was explaining to them. I said, look at the... The studio room there, that's where the director is. This is live. I showed it to them on YouTube. We're currently live. And one of the officers just wouldn't listen. I, I even got my laptop and I showed him what the guidelines were. The, the government guidelines said you can do this with the live stream. You can have the musicians and so on and so forth. And he wouldn't have it. And he insisted that the music had to stop. The broadcast had to stop and everybody leave the building. And even, you know, no matter how much I tried to make him see reason, he said, oh, there's too many people. I said, okay, fine. I would, I would ask every extra person that may not be necessary, but I need the cameraman, I need the director, I need the sound engineer, I need all those guys to stay. And insisted, he said, you, you know, you don't need more than your phone. If you want to do a live broadcast, you can do it right. with your phone. Well, we, and that was where I thought, okay, this is really getting out of Well, we actually have here. a clip of the police coming into your church. Yes. So we could just play that now and have a look. Tell them, just leave. Oh, gosh. This is it, it can't work. It, it can't broadcast without nobody I mean, there the doing the video. Is it on Facebook? Is this the broadcast on Facebook? Because he just showed you on YouTube. Just, yeah. On YouTube, okay. So you can have two people here. You've got a phone there, which you're recording me on. You can get YouTube on there, and you can do the live broadcast and do your speech. No, well, you it, it doesn't camera. work that way. Yeah. You can go live. Cameras. You don't need three cameras need to do three one speech, do you? You need a camera pointing you to the okay, speech. you know, at this point, at this point, you know that we are now within the law. Uh, do you, you understand just, that? You keep saying that though, like you, you've, you've but do you understand that? Officer, I showed it you, I showed there, you the content. It says the on there essential. We've just proven that he can hold the camera and you're doing it right now. You can talk. That's that it. No, 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 no. Leaving your essential. place is not your place you, to actually determine that. You, well, it's not, but I'm Um, <laughs> there they were saying all they all that you needed to get just the two of you do it on yep, your phone to give, it, to give your speech um yes not the and, and again like i was saying to you it was it was one of those occasions where it really dawned on me that um a lot of people out there don't really understand what the church is and who we are and what we do um that i felt like we're being belittled and even worse, I mean, right after that, 
seven more officers arrived and stomped into the building and began to insist everybody out, everybody out. We were treated like a light club, a nightclub that was operating legally. I thought, gosh, where is even the fear of God coming into the premises of a church and acting like that? There is none. How do you, how do you, because I mean, you know, the thing is, is I'm, for all of us here, and I'm guessing for people watching that video does make us angry. Um, how, how, you know, how do you, what then happened, you know, the next few days, few weeks, how did you engage with the authorities, engage with the police and did it escalate? So that day, honestly, we felt like this was a test of the fruit of the spirit. So we did the best that we could to just keep calm. And they disrupted the meeting, of course. And we thought, okay, you know, this this is not good. But what shocked me was that two days later, the officers appeared in my home. Now, I live in, in Bedford, about the 30 minutes drive from where the church is. And I was really surprised to see officers in my home saying, we're here to question you. And, um, you know, we're going to be giving you a fine and you're going to be going to court. And I thought, okay, now this is it. Now things have gone totally out of of order and and something needs to be done to re-educate now i i didn't really have an issue with the police in terms of the authority i think i was more bothered about the fact that somehow there needs to be a re-education of what the church is who a minister is and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to do and not while we're trying to help people and bring a word of hope and encouragement and like you said we have all these other social action projects that we do which is fine but you know, why would you then treat us like this at a time when all we want to do is just help, help our community? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I guess that's the thing. When we live in a godless age where police um, and, in a sense, the, the state don't understand these things, they don't understand the value of worship, um, in a sense, we maybe shouldn't expect um that much, you know, and I guess it's it's been encouraging seeing the engagements Peter and Reagan has had with the police there, but you've seen the other side where there has been that. Um, and, and I must quickly add something. Within our congregation are two police officers. So members of the congregation, one is actually a CID, he's, you know, she's a detective and the other one, and you know, obviously they, they came to meet me after the incident that, hey, pastor, we can't believe this happened and so on and so forth. And I know they felt a bit embarrassed. Now we have nothing against the police. We love the police, we pray for them. Like I said, two members of congregation are police officers. And uh, so it, it was it was a bit of an interesting one. Yeah, no, well, I, I'm so, so it's just heartbreaking that you went, went through that, but you've handled it with a lot of grace and, Maybe more grace than 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 I might have had um, um, with that, um, Peter. Maybe sort of coming to you about you know we see these kinds of things. How can we be cultivating a culture in our churches that can hold these two things in tension? Of or maybe well they shouldn't be in tension, but one is understanding the authorities that we have, but having a love and a grace towards our authorities and our rulers to people who in a sense, do not know what they're doing. They do not know Christ, they're un, you know, unregenerate. They, they, they don't know what they're doing. Hmm. I think, um, I mean, for a start, we, we pray for the authorities regularly. Uh, we pray for the government and we pray for the police. And, uh, but, but I think in terms of um, 
Well, there, there are two sides. Uh, it, it's been evident from the beginning that uh, those in authority now don't understand Christianity. They don't understand the church. Uh, when uh, the prime minister put the church in the category, the lowest category, uh, for me, that was a fundamental mistake. And it, it may be that uh, those of us who have stood up and refused to comply with closure, um, it's possible, I think, that the, the authorities have realized that um, uh, it matters so much to us. And so our, our stand is communicating to the authorities. Uh, I would also say, if I could just say this, I think that when, uh, when we write to the authorities and uh, when we address them, uh, which we have done, um, that is actually part of respecting them. We haven't ignored them. We, we've put our case to them. The, the difficult side is, of course, that, that you know that this has split churches right across the country. And it's quite evident that uh, there are many Christians um, who, who need to be instructed on the biblical principles. And of course, that, that is even more difficult now because um, uh, tensions have grown in churches and, and people have taken polarized positions. So there's a, there is a, a repair uh, job to do. But it's, it's very important because um, the, the coronavirus situation is just one case uh, and there are more cases coming up in the future. Uh, this is our future. Um, and uh, so th there are other areas already where the, the state is intruding upon the church. Uh, you know what they are. Uh, and upon the family as well. So that personal liberty and uh, freedom of religion is under threat. And uh, uh, so we have a we have a difficult job to do now, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely, certainly. And, and I, I think, you know, one of the things we talk about sometimes at Christian Concern uh, uh, is particularly on that issue of that sphere or sphere sovereignty, sovereignty. and understanding that the delegated authority that God's yeah. given to the family, the home, uh, the family, the church, the state, and understanding that we cannot let those overlap or overrule the other ones when in fact we need to bring all things under under Christ's lordship. Um, Catalina Brent really does, as you've mentioned, Peter, that we're going to be facing these challenges on understanding what these look like and wrestling with it. Catalina Brent does ask a question that does come get to it. She says, you know, isn't the question now how to be faithful to God? as we cannot expect the state or the world to respect us. In fact, we've been warned we won't be. How do we continue to be faithful to the Lord despite all that's going on? And, and I, I guess, you know, in a sense, that's always the question that we need to be wrestling with is what does faithfulness and obedience to God look like? Um, and I guess now in these times when there's questions of, okay, well, I need to submit to the authorities, but they're saying I need to do this. You know, it's deeper questions of how do we, how are we to be faithful um, in a time where, you know, People oppose us. People are hostile to us. Um, these are um, big questions um, for us, uh, for us all. Um, uh, Reagan, may, maybe if you could just give, share some sort of no. insight to think how can we be faithful in a way that's loving and gracious and honouring to the government. Yeah, but, we, we need to um, get out of this thing where we cherry pick verses from one particular part of scripture. So like Romans 13, as um, Peter was quite right in saying earlier, we, we, we can't just look at one particular passage. And the assumption is, um, you know, that they'll point to Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 as reasons that um, 
Christians um, shouldn't be doing certain things like gathering during lockdown, assuming that church elders and church members haven't actually considered those passages or uh, assuming that they're they're alien to them. Um, what, what about all of the examples we see in the Old Testament um, where there's um, acts of disobedience to the authority? What, what about, um, for, for just off the top of my head, Esther going into uh, the, the throne room? That was forbidden. She could have died, uh, but it was the right thing to do. It was um, on behalf of her people and was um, undertaken uh, after a period of prayer and fasting and, and saw the Jews' um, lives preserved. What about Daniel? What about um, the respect that he had for, uh, even if you could say a friendship, um, he even had a friendship um, there with Darius, um, but even though he was in a high place of authority himself, he recognized he served a higher authority. He served the creator of the heavens and the earth. So he's told, don't pray to any uh, one or bow the knee to any um, God except our emperor, um, who the empire believed was a God man, basically. And uh, he, he would go home and he would pray, not with the doors and uh, windows closed, with them open. So, you know, anyone could have seen. Uh, he continued as was his pattern. So developing healthy patterns of worship in the day to day. This is not an act of rebellion. This is um, an act of faithfulness to God. We do not meet in um, to spite the authorities. We meet because we respect the higher authority who gives the authorities their authority. And so um, to, to re really... Uh, encourage uh, respect and honor in discourse that's so critical um, to uh, encourage love. Um, there was uh, an article that I, uh, I saw where my picture was um, in, in a paper, uh, Christian publication in relation to um, police basically and the insinuation was that I was being booked. Um, this was for a completely unrelated event. And I wrote and I was like, hold on, that was a, clearly a friendly conversation. We're actually having a joke there. You can see that we're, we're laughing. Not every interaction with the police has to be aggressive. And so, it, you know, uh, yes, we even had a, a fairly aggressive police officer uh, among those who visited us out of the 20 or so who showed up on the day. And it, it, it's difficult, but mm. respect and honor, firmness, sobriety, in the midst of faithfulness saying, look, we serve a higher authority. We serve a higher law, uh, the yeah. one who made it of the earth. No, thank you. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Uh, Daniel, what advice would you give to pastors and Christians about, you know, how can we positively engage with our local authorities? The, the first thing that comes to mind is for us to remember how the church was birthed. The church was birthed in the time of Roman occupation. And so we've got to remember that, that, even the, the uh, government in the land were not really friendly to Jesus's ecclesia or the gathering of the initial disciples. So they had to do what they did in obedience. Now, it's also important when we're considering the ecclesia, the level of authority and responsibility that we belong to a different kingdom. Jesus said, though you are in this world, you're not of this world. So he could look at his disciples before he left captured in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And he said, all authority has been given to me. 
Now, why would he make a statement like that and then go on and say, you go make disciples of nations? Disciples, the word Mathetes in the Greek, saying you go teach them how they're supposed to live. All authority has been given to me. So we look at it and then we now bring it to the 21st century and we consider churches in places like Iran, churches in places like China. I mean, communist China. Can they actually say we're going to just obey everything the authorities say, then the church will die. So the believers have to have an understanding of the government of God, the kingdom of God that we belong to, and the kingdom of this earth, and know where we are supposed to uh, comply. And at what point, what is being said contradicts the law, the commands of God. The Great Commission was a commandment. It wasn't a suggestion. So it, it's very important that we understand that. Yes, it is true that the Bible says that we are supposed to recognize those authorities, but we need to also understand the authority that we're supposed to operate in. We're not here to fight with the laws of the land. Like Jesus taught his disciples, he said, hey, if they're asking for taxes, you pay taxes. But he didn't say, well, if they tell you not to gather, you can't gather because those guys gathered. They were in the upper room and there was all kinds of gatherings that went on, even through very tough, uh, Roman occupation of Roman leadership where they were being persecuted. Some even died for the, the stuff they were doing as believers in that time. So I would say every believer, every pastor, we really need to sit down and understand properly who we are, what we carry, and that it's our responsibility to educate the authorities in our world. Let's not forget police officers, elected officials, they're all people. They're all men and women just like us who have been elected into a position or who have taken on a role and who also still need the Lord. They need God too. Everybody needs to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things we've got to demonstrate to them is our faith in what we believe. If they see us as wimps and, you know, we don't really, we can't really stand for what we say we believe, it's not attractive to them. I mean, in our church, I'll be honest with you, we, we went for it. And I thank God that uh, the congregation I have, they saw, saw the same thing and we went for it together. And I can tell you today, in the last 12 months, last year, we've had the highest amount of growth in a year. The church has grown by more than 30%, literally more than 30% growth. And most of those new believers were people who, when they would have their meetings with me or the... Uh, events where we received them into membership, one of the things they said was, we were looking for a place where there was faith. We know what's coming in the end times. We know what's coming in the last days. We were just looking for a pastor or a gathering of believers who are ready to stand strong regardless of what's going on. So we were growing. We were growing, as a matter of fact, by the time lockdown is fully over, I mean, I'm thinking, wow, this was a real blessing for our church because we've grown in all kinds of ways. Even financial power has grown during this period. And disbelievers that have just joined the church, I can tell you one thing, they're not the pew seaters. These are men and women who are ready to advance the kingdom of God. They hit church and within a week or two weeks, they're in the prayer meetings, they're everywhere. They're really on fire for God. So it's yeah. been a tremendous blessing for us. No, well, no, thank you for that, Darren, and, and, and a huge encouragement. And I, I just want to thank the three of you. I think that's a, probably a good way um, for us to uh, to wrap up. But, and, 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 and maybe it would just be good for us just to 
as we as we finally close, um, you know, as we've been saying, and as, as Peter said, just you know, praying for our rulers, praying for our government, praying for our police. Um, you know, it's easy for us to harden our hearts towards those that don't know Christ, as you said, Daniel. They are people themselves, sinners in need of a savior, um, in need of the uh, to, to know Christ, to meet Christ. Um, so I think maybe it would be a good way. Uh, Peter, would you be willing to just close for us in prayer um, for what we've been doing and, and maybe just pray for some of the, the into these issues that we've been thinking yeah, about? I will. Let's pray then. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can turn to you and come with boldness to the throne of grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for all your mercies to your people at this time. And we do pray for our churches. We pray, O oh Lord, for the revival of the churches and for the advance of the gospel in this country. We do pray, Lord God, that you would have mercy upon us. And we do pray for those who are in authority over us in the state. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would guide them and prosper their work. We pray too for those who are in authority in the church, those who have been invested with the responsibility to preach the gospel and to lead the church. Lord, would you bless them and strengthen their arm in this time? For we ask this with the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dan uh, Daniel. Thank you, Reagan. Thank you, Peter, so much for joining. And, and thank you all for tuning in uh, this evening. Uh, it's been a great discussion. Uh, please do forward and share it on to everyone, out, uh, to others, and, and keep an eye out for more Church Unlocked live streams coming up. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you.